Hi, and welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. My name is Deb Crow, and I will be your host. Join me on this journey as we meet heart-centered leaders from all over the globe. Lots of interesting questions, interesting conversation, and find out what makes a leader. How do they handle uncertainty and complexity? How do they lead in a time that is volatile? Join us. Have you ever had a serendipitous moment where you thought of something and then you weren't sure why? Well, that's what happened with my next guest. So I want to welcome you to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. And when I found this woman on Google and did my research for Heart-Centered Leadership, I couldn't believe it when I found her book. I am so excited to welcome Susan Steinbrecher, the CEO and founder of Steinbrecher and Associates. Susan is an executive coach, a professional speaker, and author of Heart-Centered Leadership. So Susan, I am beyond delighted to have you as my first guest on the podcast. So welcome. Thank you so much, Deb. I'm just excited to be here with you today. So like I said, this is very much a serendipitous moment for me. I found your book and have you ever had what Oprah calls those aha moments or those goosebump moments where you start reading someone else's book and you just feel there's that aligned sense of value in both life practice and also in business? Absolutely. Um, it is, it's weird when that happens, isn't it? But it's like one of those moments where you're like, oh my gosh, there's somebody out there that gets me. hundred <laughs> percent. Now I know that you authored this book with Joel Bennett. So I was wondering if you would share with the listeners how this came about when you discovered you were a heart-centered leader and what really fostered your, your passion to write this book with Joel? Oh, thank you so much for asking. Yes. Um, so Dr. Joel Bennett and I co-authored this. And so the process of how we came to work together, I was involved in an organization and he was a speaker at that organization. And I really felt, because here I was an executive coach, I had my own experience with clients, with those that were heart-centered and the results they were getting and those that were frankly not and the impact that was having. And I sought out to write this book and I said, you know what, I am a coach. People may not take what I say um, as credible fact. And so I said, I feel like I need to pair up with an academic. Because I felt like that would be the best kind of combination of talent. So somebody that sort of boots on the ground and works with clients every single day, and then somebody that studies leadership and has his PhD and dissertation was in leadership. And I just felt like that was a perfect combination. So when I met Joel, he was all in because he was very much all over heart center leadership as well in terms of concept. And so we, that's how we came together. We began to do the book together. And of course it took much longer than you ever think it's gonna take. It took me, it took us really three years, which was crazy, but here I was, one of my principles in the book is called Letting Go. And I found myself wanting to put sort of timelines and blocks around how long it was gonna take. And, 
because I'd never authored a book before and I had no idea what I was doing, frankly, in terms of what it's like to do that and how much work this is. Um, but anyway, so one of the things I realized is the delay works so much in our favor because this book was written like 17 years ago now, the first edition. And my, um, we knew there were going to be some people that were going to resonate with the title Heart Center Leadership and there was going to be those that were going to be, oh, I don't know about this. And sure enough, we got some of that feedback that, um, you know, that's very warm and fuzzy and almost kind of a spiritual thing. We're not sure that's really good for business. And, you know, our response back was, listen, we, we're going to stick to the title because it's what the world needs, whether people think it's too warm and fuzzy or not is irrelevant to me because I think my, my whole thought of that was, listen, the book's not going to resonate with everybody, but it will resonate with those that, need, that really want to hear it. And we're going to go ahead and keep the title. And so we did, and almost everybody loved it. We had a few people that kind of rejected it. And, um, and it was interesting because the response we were getting, Deb, was, oh my gosh, you know, you don't put the word heart and leadership in the same sentence. It just doesn't exist. And I said, but that's the problem. <laughs> it needs to exist. And so, you know, fast forward um, a decade or so later, my publicist comes to me and says, okay, now there's 30,000 books out there with the word heart and leadership in. You are a decade ahead of your time. You need to re-release and released the second edition. So we did that and that, believe it or not, I can't, can hardly believe was already six years ago when the second edition came out. So it's something, especially now, that we're finding people really are beginning to get and realize that there is a um, value proposition beyond the obvious of treating people well and the, you, know, you treat your employees well, the employees will take care of the customer, the customer will take care of your business. But beyond that, beginning to see the dollars and cents, which we always knew was there, but people are beginning to realize that your businesses are actually more profitable if you lead in a heart-centered way. I wish you could see my smile because it's, it's literally ear to ear. I'm just, <laughs> everything I've thought you have just eloquently described the way business acumen should be done. And when I read your book, I thought she was so ahead of her time back then. And one of the reasons, and, and I have to do my, my vulnerability disclaimer, uh, it took me five days to get the courage to email you because of course we have those sabotaging thoughts that why would she want to be on my podcast? And you graciously got right back to me and said, I'd love to be on your podcast. So I wanted to put that out there that even executive coaches and leaders, we still have doubt and fear and, and we don't have those perfect habits of thinking. But writing that book and being so ahead of your time, I'm so glad that you re-released it. But what really, really hit the core with me was when I came out of university, I often had non-heart-centered leaders. And I would be told, I, I'm too smiley, I'm too bright, I'm too shiny, I'm too gregarious, I'm too verbose, you shouldn't use the word awesome. And I, for 30 years, 
I thought I was doing something wrong. So your book really hit me because it helped me kind of close off and frame something that I thought I needed to change. And what I realized was I've been a heart-centered leader for 30 years at the end of this month in my own business. And now in the middle of a pandemic, everyone's talking about this and honoring self-care, which is hilarious because like you, I've been talking about self-care since 2009. And I believe that our wisdom has truly come from our experiences. I used to look after executives, Susan, on short-term disability claims from stress because climbing the corporate ladder and hitting the glass ceiling, that was stature, but there's always a price that comes with that. So how do you see from the time you originally wrote this book and then again republished it now that the world has joined you in this arena, how do you see the shift as both a woman and as an executive coach and a CEO, do you feel that leaders today pre-pandemic and also where we are now, day 81, do you see that maybe they're more accepting of a little bit more vulnerability and openness to lead from the inside out and not worry that the business acumen is so structured? Well, actually, it's a complicated question. And the reason I say that is with the pandemic, what that has done is two things. One, in my mind, and this is just obviously my observation and working with my clients, you definitely have this very heightened level of an intention around self-care and recognizing that, wow, at the end of the day, if I don't have my health, (laughs) right, I don't have anything, right? And on the other end of the spectrum, what you also have is people that are fighting to keep their businesses alive. So the other end of the spectrum is they're like, listen, this is the time where all hands are on deck. You work as many hours as you need to work. You do everything that you can do to keep your business going. And so unfortunately, it's like we've got this very diametrically opposed sort of force going on, in my opinion. You have this intuition at an all-time high level saying self-care is critically important. And yet you have the stress level of, oh my gosh, I've got to make sure my business can survive. So if anything, this is the, the time that that's the true invitation to really take a look at I know how I would normally approach stressful situations in my business. My choice now is to say, what do I think is going to be the right path? And can I trust that the self-care focus on emotional health, spiritual health, physical health path is really going to lead me to the stronger outcome, which is my business will survive by this path. Versus working, you know, ridiculous hour, 24-7, high stress, putting stress on everybody else. So I think this is going to be a very interesting post-debrief. <laughs> what happens when we move through this? And we will move through this, of course. Um, but I am seeing a lot of people, much more emphasis and what we're calling the heart center leader approach, which is all about 
Um, you know, how do you do everything you can to take care of those associates? How do you lead in that way? When I think of a heart-centered leader, again, my definition for that is having that wisdom and courage and compassion to lead others with authenticity, transparency, humility, and service. And if, if there's ever been a time that that type of leadership has been called for, it's now. And that, like you, Deb, are seeing over and over again, you're seeing more articles on that. What's really needed now more than anything is transparency. Tell the truth, tell your people where we really are as a business. You know, bring them in to help you co-create what the next normal is gonna look like. And that is absolutely critical. I think it's gonna be interesting to see how managers handle well, our seventh principle is called care for the heart, right? It's all about self-care. So I'm, it's gonna be interesting to see how many of them really do that and how well they do that. When I talk to my clients, I am getting kind of a 50-50 sort of split <laughs> of people that are saying, so yeah, I've sort of abandoned that and went back to my old ways and others saying, no, I am absolutely staying grounded. I'm keeping my meditation practice up. I'm making absolutely certain that I am showing up in the best possible way. And I know the only way I can do that is if I've taken good care of myself. Well, it's, it's truly the foundation of our being, isn't it? Whether we're doing yes. something in our personal life or work life. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about was how did you and Joel come up with the seven principles and corresponding virtues? Because I think that list itself within the book is brilliant and i'm glad you touched on the last one but i'd love to know how you brought your business acumen and your coaching expertise and again aligned with someone who was doing their dissertation and had the academic proponent to this how was that process coming together uh, for you and and uh, joel and did you have a larger list and have to narrow it down to seven or did you find seven kind of stretched and you were able to cover everything? Well, it's so funny you say that, Deb, about was there a larger list because there was. Well, I'll tell you literally the day it happened. I remember walking away from a coaching engagement with a client and I remember sitting there going, gosh, this just doesn't have to be so difficult. If these leaders would just get, and I just literally took out a piece of paper and I wrote what then was seven principles, or excuse me, eight principles. And I just said, if they just got, you know, they, they knew themselves, they got out of judgment and assumption, and they, they actually realized that they're not any different than their associates. The needs that that leader has as a human being is the same needs that that associate has as a human being and then the letting go and then recognizing the impact of everything they do and say and don't say and don't do. Um, and that they have to remember that, you know, associates vote every single day with their head and their heart, whether they're gonna follow you or not. So that became the associates has a choice principle and then care for the heart. And so um, I started with A and then I went, no, that's too many. And just truly instinctively, I went, it needs to be seven. And seven's just sort of that magical number in my mind. And then when I presented those to Joel, he was the one that kind of said, well, I sort of see the underlying belly of the principles to be this sort of virtue-based concept. And I thought, okay, what is that? 
And then he sort of added the virtue side. Um, and then we, from there, you know, many, many meetings of tweaking and tweaking language and everything else. And that's where we land, where we landed. <laughs> no, well, I love it because I love the, the academic portion that he brings to it because you also have another chart in the book and I'm going to put the link for, for your book uh, in the notes for this episode because I know everyone's going to want to get a copy. But when you look at heart-centered leadership, so for example, you, you started with a chart and the task was how to approach problems and you looked at it from a management perspective, a leadership perspective, and then a heart-centered leadership. And I think when we can really take these, these basic tasks that business leaders have in their everyday life, I think that chart's gonna answer a lot of questions because from right. the management point, you know, they want to be more scientific, whereas you look at the leadership aspect, they want fewer explicit tools. And then what is heart-centered leadership? Wisdom and intuition. And I've often written about intuition management and spoken to my executives. And my question for you is, especially during this pandemic, a lot of my leaders are saying during our coaching sessions, you know, people on our team don't always realize I don't have all the answers. Right. And so it's been that communication piece that they can only let their team know what they know in the moment, but it's wrapping your head around the ability to really verbally express to the best of your ability that it's okay not to know everything. And again, it's leaning into that vulnerability. What would be your advice for leaders listening to this episode with you for leaning in a little bit if they want to be a heart-centered leader, but there's that apprehension of being judged? Yeah, so um, it's a great question. And there's, there's, to me, so many facets to that. So let me see what I can sort of share on, on perhaps multiple levels on that. Number one, the one thing when I invite the concept of heart-centered leadership um, to a leader is, and if they are in this place of, you know, listen, this is a cutthroat business. We have to make our numbers, you know, blah, blah, blah. And of course you do. I mean, you can't be a business if you're not profitable. What we're suggesting here is that you're shifting sort of the approach. And in this challenging time, you're not gonna have all the answers because none of us have all the answers. All we can do is the best we know to do in the moment with what we know. And I always share with leaders, listen, when you have had the utmost respect and those leaders that have made the, the biggest mark on you in terms of your growth or your, um, resonation you resonate with this individual kind of thing um then tell me tell me about what actually what they did or said or what was that experience like and what they what they would share with me is that the vulnerability or the transparency that person shared and the realness that came through with that leader as a human being not just a leader but a human being um, here's a perfect example of that. So uh, Mr. Sorensen, who's the CEO of Marriott Hotels, did a video podcast that went out 
Um, the gentleman is in the middle of, ke of chemotherapy uh, treatments. And so he's lost all his hair. And he opens up this podcast that went out or message, video message, I should say, that went out to, to um, all his employees and associates. And then it also went on social media. First thing he said is, you know, some of my team was very concerned about me being live with a picture because of course I've lost all my hair. Well, I mean, the first words out of his mouth. So immediately that vulnerability and that, and here's a person who's in charge of a very big company that is whose industry has been hit the hardest. And immediately your heart goes out to this individual for him to say, no, I want to be present the way I can. And right now it happens to be through video. <laughs> Um, and so, and then further on in his message was, he was just talking about what they're going to do. And when he got to the part, when he talked about, um, the associates that were all being furloughed and those that have been let go, I mean, he literally choked up and they didn't erase it and they didn't retape it. And he's, he's been noted now and mentioned in probably 10 different online newsletters and newspapers and everything for that leadership vulnerability so we think that is a sign of weakness when in fact it's a sign of strength and when people can relate to the leader as someone who is vulnerable and real then they'll follow you to the ends of the earth and i think that's just really important for those that feel like i have to always have the answers and i always have to be buttoned up and completely totally professional and always look my best and no Yes, there's a certain amount of decorum, and of course, you have to have a certain amount of um, common sense around that, but the reality is, is it, it pays off in the end, big time. Oh, I agree with you. When we can model leadership right down to how we look after ourselves, I mean, the bigger underlying message there is the cup is always half full and you're not letting it get to an empty state because when we when we model that type of behavior we are literally putting a sense of our self-worth out there because we're not meant to be doing all the time it's okay to pause and be but again i think a lot of it has to do with unmet expectations stature pride I know there's always remnants of our life experience kind of intertwined in that. So just a really strong message and, and loved seeing it as one of your, one of your virtues on the list. Hmm. So I would like to ask you, what do you feel that you exemplify as a heart centered leader? What are your top three characteristics that you feel that you lead with every day? Um, for me, I would say, and I'm not perfect, and trust me, I have my good days and my bad days and days when if I do, which is one of the things I recommend to my clients at the end of the day, do, a, do that sort of personal reflection. Was I a heart center leader today? Yes or no and why? What, if anything, do I want to do differently the next day? And so for me, it's probably empathy is probably one of my strongest suits. And yet there's days when I'll tell you I'm not empathetic or where I should have been, right? I mean, it's, it's just the way it is. Um, I feel like I have a lot of compassion. 
uh, for people. I do a lot for my personal associates as well as a lot of uh, not-for-profit pro bono work for those that I know need the skills and don't have the money to pay for it, to pay for coaching or pay for training. So I do a lot of that as well. So I think that's another one for me. And then I really operate very heavily off intuition. I will look at facts and numbers, um, but my gut is never wrong, as it is for most of us never wrong. It's when we second guess it time and time again, I think all of us can reflect back on our lives and realize there's those times that I know my gut instinct told me this. I was looking at the data or I was listening to this advice, but I just knew and when I ignored my intuition, um, it was the wrong decision. Well, you, I'm going to say again, you, you've got an aligned colleague and friend here in Canada that uh, operates on the three heart-centered qualities that uh, you just listed for yourself. So another serendipitous moment. So I like to end uh, the podcast with a bit of fun and, and uh, I call it my fab four and just, okay. just four fun questions. And you're not allowed to think it's just the first thing that comes to your mind. So here's question number one, Susan, where's your favorite place to be? I uh, love the beach. <laughs> Almost any beach. <laughs> Especially now, right? Yes. <laughs> what makes you happy? Um, I think what makes me most happy is when I see light bulbs go off for other people. That is my personal really mission and purpose in life is to help people be the best they can possibly be both personally and professionally. And when I see somebody really get something and that light goes off or that aha moment happens, uh, that's just thrills me. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a rewarding experience, isn't it? I, I can allude to feeling the same way. What is your favorite song and what emotion does it evoke when you hear it? Oh my gosh, there are so many songs that I would love, but I'll just go with the first thing that popped in my mind, um, Stairway to Heaven. And, and I think the reason is I've seen that song, um, not only Led Zeppelin, of course, which was one of my very favorite bands of all time, um, produced that song, but there was so many reiterations to that that I think has been phenomenal. And... Um, I don't know. It's just, it's a very, there's a peaceful sort of melancholy uh, feeling I get with that song. No, I, I'm, I'm a fan of that song too. And my last question is, if you had an opportunity to have dinner with a famous leader who's either currently living or who's passed away, who would it be and why? And what would you like to talk about? Um, I would say Oprah Winfrey, and the reason is um, this is a person who's come from unbelievable uh, adversity and had to overcome so many things growing up as, as she has made very public. Um, and for her to be able to grow her own personal business, her own brand, um, to take some very big risk when she started her own network and those kinds of things. I would love to talk to her and just kind of find out where she is now. What does the next chapter look like for her? 
and uh, where she got her courage, frankly, to be able to sort of defy what everyone was telling her to do and to trust her own instincts and intuition and put herself out there. I just, I just think she's a, she's a remarkable example, whether you agree with her or don't agree with her or like her politics or don't like her politics. All of that to me is irrelevant. I'm talking about the individual and the sense of what it took for her to be where she is today. Well, and I think something you have in common with her is she's also a heart-centered leader and was way ahead of her time, much like you were writing this book. So I just cannot express my gratitude to you for answering my email. And I want to thank you and Dr. Bennett for writing such a phenomenal book that I'm going to share with all of my clients. And I'm hoping you're going to sign one and send it to me just so I can have it in hand in my office. And I just want to thank, I I just want to thank you for the work that you're doing and know that you've got uh, a fellow coach in Canada paving the way for heart-centered leadership. And I just look forward to continued conversation with you. And thank you for being on the Imperfect Podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Deb. I appreciate it. I'll not only send you a signed copy, I'll also send you a journal that we've created that goes with the book. Um, And it's actually a perfect tool for coaches to use for those because it gives them homework basically for every chapter. So I will send both to you. um, And thank you so much for thinking of me and for allowing me the opportunity to be on your show. My pleasure. So just a great, great interview with Susan Steinbrecker. To me, she is the executive coach. She's the authentic CEO, and she is paving the way, along with Dr. Joel Bennett in their book, Heart-Centered Leadership. And I will post the URL in the episode, episode notes. So thanks for tuning in today for our first episode, and just so gracious to have Susan. I'm going to close out with my my famous five things that I want you to go forth and remember in your day. Follow your heart. Have passion. Do your best. Know your truth. And always be in love with the process. This is Deb Crow, and we'll see you next time.